What is up? What is happening? Welcome to another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyson Quiller, and today we are going to continue on with our Fan Section Shorts on our previews of the uh, college basketball upcoming season, conference by conference. We've already covered the ACC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12, so today we will be discussing and covering the Big Ten Conference. In my opinion, unquestionably the most difficult and deep conference in the country last season. But before we get started with that, I just want to welcome you in, Fan Section Podcast. You know, Alan and I, just a couple buddies talking college, dropping knowledge from the bleachers to the suites. Go ahead and get in that mailbag, send us your feedback, like and subscribe. Alan is checking on Twitter, he is keeping up with all that stuff. We will be back tomorrow and later in the week to do our recap of Week 10 football and our preview of Week 11 football coming up this weekend. And with that being said, let's dive into Big Ten basketball. Here's a quick little recap of how the basketball uh, Big Ten Conference turned out last season. Michigan finished uh, won the regular season. Second was Illinois. Third, Iowa. Fourth, Purdue. Fifth, Ohio State. Sixth, Wisconsin. Seventh, Rutgers. Eighth, Maryland. Ninth, Michigan State. Tenth, Indiana. All ten of those teams made the NCAA tournament. 11th, Penn State, 12th, Northwestern, 13, Minnesota, and 14, Nebraska. So we're going to go ahead and start, kick it off with my projection as the best team in the Big, Tw- Big Ten this coming season. Number two in my power rankings in the country, the Michigan Wolverines. Now, they won the regular season last year in the Big Ten, 23-5, and 14-3 in conference play. Although Michigan won the Big Ten regular season crown last year. They lost the, their last regular season game to rival Michigan State and bowed out of the Big Ten tournament in the second round to their other rival, Ohio State. The Wolverines lost their all-Big Ten point guard Isaiah Livers to a season-ending injury in that tournament game. Then they entered the NCAA tournament last year with a one seed, and, and really they were one, probably the most impressive Big Ten team in the NCAA tournament last year. The Big Ten didn't perform all that well. But they uh, made it to the Elite Eight before losing to UCLA. Returning sophomore center Hunter Dickinson in the short role is just almost unstoppable. I've watched a couple of their games already this season. He'll just set four or five screens and then roll to the basket. Quick pocket passes from the guards, slams at home. It's really, really difficult to guard and defend. I would love to see a big man duel between Gonzaga's Drew Timmy and Hunter Dickinson. They're a little bit different style of play but just sort of a kind of a juggernaut, big man matchup. We're not going to be able to see that, though. The closest we're going to get to that are the epic duels that we enjoyed last year, and we're going to get to see again this year between Dickinson and Kofi Coburn. Twice, uh, twice Michigan plays Illinois this year. Coastal Carolina transfer Devontae Jones will provide some uh, rotational support at guard with the loss of the floor general I mentioned, Isaiah Livers. Heading off to the NBA, Eli Brooks returns to the Wolverines, averaging 10 points, 3.5 assists per game last year. I think the front court is going to be solid. If there is a weakness, it might be kind of the spot-up outside shooting. We'll, We'll have to sort of see how that manifests itself in these first couple of weeks. In order to fill the loss 
of production from uh, Franz Wagner departure to the NBA. Terrence Williams, who played a very in a, kind of a very limited role last year, will need to step up. Williams is the number 16 power forward in the 2020 recruiting class, and the number eight recruit in the country this year, Caleb Houston, joins Michigan and is projected by the media to be the Big Ten Newcomer of the Year at forward. They do not play a very difficult non-conference schedule, the toughest opponent being a game at North, or at North Carolina in early December. The Wolverines will, I think, in my opinion, be undefeated when they enter league play. I have them finishing the season 28-3, and 17-3 in conference play. Next, I have second in the Big Ten, Purdue. The Purdue Boilermakers, they finished fourth in the conference last year, 18-10 on the season, 13-6 in conference play. And when you look at how much production they got from their freshman last year, this Boilermaker squad was just way ahead of schedule, in my opinion. After finishing 16-15 and 15 in 2019, Purdue was picked to finish seventh last year in the preseason Big Ten polls. They did regress to the mean a bit. Though once postseason play began, they lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to Ohio State. And then as a three seed in the NCAA tournament, they lost in the first round to North Texas in in overtime. Uh, Purdue's top five scorers return, including the sophomore Jaden Ivey, who is their standout all-star player at guard. He averaged 11 points, four rebounds, two assists per game last year. And the big man sophomore center, Zach Eady, who averaged nine points and one and a half blocks per game last year, uh, returns as well. At forward, Trevion Williams returns for his senior campaign. He is a potential first-team All-Big Ten, in my opinion. He's the unquestioned leader of the squad. Through two games this season, the big man center, Edie, is averaging 19 points and 10 rebounds a game. That is unbelievable. Also, senior Sasha Stefanovic is an asset or an assist machine. And and a real kind of a real kind of spot up three threat, and Brandon Newman will be providing some solid production off the bench as a part of that phenomenal sophomore class as well. Purdue plays North Carolina this Saturday, and Florida State comes to West Lafayette at the end of the month. Those will kind of be bellwether games to see how the Boilermaker season is going to go. I project them to finish 22 and 7, 14 and 6 in conference play. Third in the Big Ten Conference, I have the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Now, they finished second in the conference last year, 24-7, and 16-4 in the conference play. Illinois ran through the Big Ten Conference Tournament, beating Rutgers, Iowa, and then Ohio State to win the Big Ten Conference Tournament and get the automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament last year. Then, as a one seed, they dropped the ball in their second round, losing to Loyola Chicago. After first declaring, so this is a curious case, in my opinion, but after first declaring for the NBA draft and then pulling out and entering the transfer portal only to return back to Illinois, center Kofi Goburn is, in my opinion, an incredible force underneath the hoop. He averaged 17 points, 10 rebounds per game last season and was really the only player all year that could square up and kind of go head-to-head with Michigan's Hunter Dickinson. Now, he will be suspended for the first three games of the season after being found to have sold official team gear. A little bit more on that story. I mean, just unbelievable. Apparently, he had gone to a uh, NBA G League's elite camp as he was preparing for the NBA. This was in June and was believed to have sold the 
clothing and items at that time. The, the rationale for his suspension, and I quote, the sales were promoted well before July 1st when the NCAA name, image, and likeness legislation took effect. So basically, you broke the rules two months before we changed the rules. So, I mean, I guess we're just going to kick him in, in the butt on the way out. The NCAA is just ridiculous. I can't stand this kind of stuff. But Kofi Coburn is going to be out. They've already played their first two games, and then they have one more game remaining before Coburn can return. Once he's back, though, uh, the one-two threat of Coburn and Andre Corbello at the point is just going to be sensational. There is a massive hole to fill in first-team All-Big Ten point guard Ayo Desumu, who left for the NBA. But the sophomore Corbello has already shown signs that he's ready to fill the role. Also, junior forward Omar Payne transfers in from Florida and will help bolster the team's depth and defensive capabilities. Once at full strength, I think this team should be able to roll through their relatively weak non-conference schedule. However, without Coburn tonight, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shaka Smart's Marquette give them a bit of a run for their money. I, I have them winning tonight, but, you know, Shaka Smart, he kind of thrives in these positions when they're being overlooked. I have Illinois finishing 22-8, and 14-6 and six in conference play. Next up, fourth in the Big Ten, the number 16 power ranking team in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, they finished fifth in the conference last year, 21-10, and 12-8 in conference play. Chris Holtman had this Buckeyes program elevated and consistent heading into the end of the season last year. They were 18-4 and four at one point in time, ranked in the top 10 in the country, they, they looked like they were right on par with Michigan for quite a while as being one of the elite teams in the conference. But then they lost their last four regular season games. They appeared to then have regained their mojo as they, again, won their way to the Big Ten title game, only to lose to Illinois. And then they receive a two-seed in the NCAA tournament and lose in the first round to Oral Roberts. I mean, straight up this, this year, straight up, this team's success rests squarely on the shoulders of junior forward E.J. Liddell. They do not return a ton of other production. If the Buckeyes are going to finish in the top four in the Big Ten, Liddell might very well have to play well enough to be the Big Ten player of the year. Through two games this season, he's averaging 27 points and eight rebounds, so he may be up to the challenge. The backcourt is completely new as Penn State transfer Jamari Wheeler comes in and Louisiana Lafayette transfer Cedric Russell joins Ohio State. If these two guards can play reliable basketball and feed the post, I think the Buckeyes squad will be a contender, meaning a top-four contender. Uh, on November 18th, the Buckeyes travel to Xavier, which uh, kicks off a pretty tough four-game stretch. After Xavier, they play Seton Hall at home, Duke at home. All three of those I have as tournament teams this year. And then they play at Penn State. I have the Buckeyes finishing 21-8. and 14-6 and six in the conference, and again, fourth in the Big Ten. Fifth in the Big Ten this year, the number 20 overall power ranking in the country, the Maryland Terrapins. Now, they finished eighth last season, 17 and then 14, 9 and 11 overall in the conference. You know, Maryland really struggled late in the season last year, losing three of their last four games and bowing out of the NCAA tournament in the second round as well. With the talent Mark Turgeon squad had with Aaron Wiggins, Eric Ayala, and Donta Scott, that was a real underperformance, in my opinion. Two of the aforementioned players, though, returned for the 2021 campaign as Aaron Wiggins heads off to the NBA. 
Joining Eric Ayala in the backcourt will be Rhode Island transfer Fats Russell, who through two games already in the t- is the team's leading scorer this year. And also you get Georgetown transfer Quadis Wahab, comes to Maryland having averaged 12 points and 8 rebounds per game last year. He performed pretty well in the NCAA tournament as well, so that you've got some tournament experience you're bringing in. I think that should provide a little more production on offense, but mostly he is a real defensive threat. Ultimately, I think this team is improved from last year, despite the loss of Aaron Wiggins. Maryland plays Virginia Tech and Florida at home in late December. Otherwise, this is a pretty weak non-conference schedule. I have the Maryland Terrapins going 21-9, and 12-8 in conference play. That would be quite an improvement from their 8th place finish in the conference last year. 6th in the Big Ten, I have who I think is a pretty... Pretty well-improved Michigan State Spartans, 26th ranked in the power rankings overall. They finished 9th in the conference last year, 15-13, and 9-11 and 11 in conference play. Michigan State had a very inexperienced team last year, and they struggled a lot early. However, they won four of their last six games and beat regular season champion Michigan in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to earn their way into the NCAA tournament. At the time, their first round exit in the NCAA tournament looked bad, But when you consider that they lost to UCLA, who then went on to make the Final Four and is a favorite for the Final Four again this year, Michigan, you know, and then you consider Michigan State pushed them to overtime and almost won in regulation, it doesn't seem like quite as bad of a loss in retrospect. Like we talked about with Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Izzo is really getting into the later years of coaching. And I think he'll, you know, probably be looking for, you know, one final great season to ride out on. Northwestern guard Tyson Walker transfers in to fill the hole at the point that Sparty really struggled with most of last season. The top two scorers from last year, small forward Aaron Henry and guard Joshua Langford, have moved on to the NBA. Sophomore A.J. Hoggard will be looked to make up for a lot for Langford's loss, at the very least, at guard. Hoggard was a top recruit out of the state of Michigan in the 2020 recruiting class. Meanwhile, in the post, Izzo brings back several effective upperclassmen in Julius Marble, Joey Hauser, and Marcus Bingham Jr. This team has depth and will be competitive, I think, in most games. I'm just not sure if they have the top-end talent to do much better than 7th in, again, the toughest conference in America this year and was last year. Sparty played Kansas tough the other day and will face uh, a, a pretty good Loyola Chicago program next week at home. I think that game will tell us a lot about where the Michigan State program is at at this point. I have them projected to go 19-10, and 12-8 and eight in the conference. Next, finishing 7th in the Big Ten, 28th ranked in my power rankings, the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, they finished 10th last year. A real underwhelming season for them, considering the talent they have. 12-15, and 7-12 in the conference play. You know... I think the Hoosier squad is going to be much better than last year. I mean, Archie Miller had quite a bit of talent last season and really underperformed, like I said, and that's why he got the axe. And in comes Mike Woodson. His first season, uh, he has one of the better players in the conference to build off of in Trace Jackson Davis. Last season, Jackson Davis averaged 19 points, 9 rebounds on 52% shooting. There are a lot of similarities here, I think, between Indiana with Jackson Davis and Ohio State and EJ Liddell. Kind of the idea of can the star player shoulder the load as the coach works to move, you know, different pieces around, different lineups around him for support. 
So far, so good, though. Uh, in Indiana's first two games this season, Jackson Davis uh, is averaging 20 points and 10.5 rebounds per game. That is phenomenal. Also, Woodson brought in Pitt transfer Xavier Johnson to run the point, and three-star recruit freshman Anthony, Anthony Leal should provide some support uh, in the backcourt. Back Junior three-year starter Race Thompson brings nine points, six rebounds back from last season uh, to the low post for the Hoosiers. Here's something I'm curious about, though. The tallest player on the team is Michael Durr, who transferred from South Florida, but he's only played 10 minutes in their first two games and has zero rebounds. He's a seven-footer, okay? Outside of Durr, the tallest player on this team is only 6'9". There's a real lack of size with the Hoosiers that I think will make it impossible to guard the likes of Hunter Dickinson and Kofi Coburn under the hoop. This will be a good rebuild season, I think, for the Hoosiers. They're going to make some steps moving forward, but I don't agree with the media who have them as fifth in the Big Ten. I don't see them finishing much above seventh in the Big Ten. I have them finishing right at seventh. And the record I have them finishing with is 21-9, 11-9 in conference play. They do have a not super difficult schedule. So, you know, you just got to make sure you beat the teams that you need to beat early in the season. Eighth in the Big Ten, I have the Iowa Hawkeyes, 45th ranked in my power rankings nationally. Now, they finished third in the Big Ten last year, and a lot of people thought that they would make a run at the Big Ten title. They finished 22-9, and 14-6 in conference play. So what does a post-Luka Garza Hawkeyes team look like? Right, that's the question everybody's asking. Garza was a four-year starter in Iowa City. He amassed 2,300 points, 920 rebounds, 153 assists, and, yes, 154 blocks for the Hawkeyes. I mean, there's no single bigger hole left on a team in the country than this one, and I think this is evidenced by the fact that Iowa, a team that finished third in the conference last year, is projected by the media to finish 10th this year. But let's start with uh, who returns. Three-star recruit Keegan Murray enters his sophomore year and will play a prominent role in dictating the offense and facilitating for others at the forward position. Through their first two games, Murray is averaging 24 points and five rebounds. Uh, senior guard Jordan Bohannon will be charged with running the point and is a real spot-up three-point shooting threat. On the other post, across from Murray, is four-star recruit and coach Fran McCaffrey's son, Patrick McCaffrey. He's entering his sophomore season. This is a team with a veteran, experienced backcourt, but the front court, although although they have tremendous upside, is very young. So it'll be interesting to see how the, this young, talented front court meshes. I don't think they're going to be as bad as the media believes that they're going to be. Iowa plays at Virginia on November 29th. If they can win that, I could see them finish as high as maybe sixth in the Big Ten. If not, I think eighth or ninth is probably right. I don't see them finishing 10th. I don't know where that is coming from whatsoever. The final record I have Iowa with is 21-10, and 11-9 in the conference. Next, I have 9th in the Big Ten, 48th overall in the power rankings, the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, they finished 6th in the conference last year, 18-13, and 10-10 in conference play. Four of, four of Wisconsin's top five scorers depart from last year's team, 
and last year was really a pretty pedestrian performance by Wisconsin standards. They did get into the NCAA tournament as a nine seed, and they beat the eight seed North Carolina, but then they lost to the eventual champion Baylor in the second round. Their leading returning scorer, Brad Davison, only averaged 10 points and three rebounds per game last year. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of hype around Johnny Davis, who enters his sophomore season and spent the past offseason overseas with Team USA. That's some pretty valuable experience. But the, the, the Badgers have a pretty, pretty tough schedule and a lot of inexperience replacing production. I think this season could be difficult for Wisconsin. I have them as a legit bubble team, finishing ninth in the Big Ten with a record of 19-10, and 10-10 in conference play. And at 10th in the Big Ten Conference, 52nd ranked in overall in power rankings, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. A lot of back and forth in the transfer portal for this team in the offseason. But they finished 7th last year in the conference, 16-12, and 10-10 in conference play. Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. returned for the Rutgers squad who made the NCAA tournament a year ago and beat 7-seed Clemson before losing in a really close, hard-fought match, 63-60, to Final Four bound Houston. Their power center, Miles Johnson, transferred out to UCLA, and the team's second leading scorer, Jacob Young, transferred to Oregon. 6'11 sophomore Cliff Omarui will be replacing Johnson down low, which is a almost a like replacement, although Johnson, is, he looked phenomenal playing for UCLA against Villanova earlier this week. But for this team, there's been quite a bit of, sh- of a shuffle, and I just don't see them really challenging the likes of Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State. I think if they can get wins against the bottom of the conference, that they should, and pick up enough wins against you know the, the likes of Indiana, Iowa, Wisconsin, I think this team could be a bubble team. I have them out of the tournament right now, finishing with a record of 19-12, and 9-11 in conference play. So that means I have a total of nine Big Ten teams making the tournament, Potentially 10, but I think probably 9 is more likely. At 11th in the conference, you know, I I have Penn State, Nittany Lions. They played tough, won a couple of impressive games last year, looked competitive, but ultimately, you know, dropped off a cliff at the end of the season. I, I don't think Penn State is in the caliber of these other teams I've discussed. I think that they are out of the tournament. 11th at 12th in the conference, I have the Northwestern Wildcats, who finished 12th on the season last year. 13th, Nebraska Cornhuskers. And at 14th, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. You know, they finished 13th last year, 14 and 15, 6 and 14 in conference play. I mean, Minnesota's off to a 3-0 start, and that win over Princeton actually, to me, was, was pretty surprising. However, this team is really going to be bad this year. I mean, they fired... Their coach, Richard Patino, who's now the head coach at New Mexico, and 74% of their production transferred in Marcus Carr to Texas, Liam Robbins to Vanderbilt, Gabe Kalsher to Iowa State, and Brandon Johnson to DePaul. You know, the Big Ten is is just stu- super stout again. And for my money, it's the best conference in the country again. So I think that's enough hype and bluster for the Big Ten. Let's take a look at the preseason first team all-conference players. We have Kofi Coburn from Illinois. Going to be interesting to see how Illinois and, and Coburn navigate the dynamics of you know, him first declaring for the NBA, going to the G League elite camp, then deciding to pull his name out of the NBA draft, 
then putting his name in the transfer portal. I mean, if you're an Illinois person, this dude tried everything he could to get away from you. So, but and then he starts the season off with a three-game suspension after the selling of shirts and and different th- uh, different things like that. The NCAA violation. Then you've got Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. First team All Big Ten, EJ Liddell, I already told you, I think he and the next player, Trace uh, Jackson Davis, they are going to need to be first team All Big Ten type players if their teams are going to make a run at the tournament. And then from Purdue, Travion Williams rounds out the first team All Big Ten. So that does it for our Big Ten preview here. It's going to be a lot of fun looking at how things progress moving forward in the Big Ten Conference. And with that being said, thanks for tuning in to the Fan Section Podcast, and we are out.